0: Welcome to the Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm Matt Manicharian, former NFL scout and now of Sports Info Solutions, joined by Aaron Schatz, the godfather of football analytics and the founder of Football Outsiders. Shout out to our producer, Justin Stein, doing great work behind the scenes as always. Aaron, you wanted to start off in a very particular place this week, and I want to dive in on this with you. Uh, The question that I think has been percolating around the interwebs is, are the Chiefs historically great? And I think you've got a different take on it than most.
1: Yeah. So I wrote about this this week at Football Outsiders in my DVOA commentary, but the word that people use with the Chiefs is inevitable. Like that's the word that I've seen a lot of places use, that if they're inevitably going to win the Super Bowl or the word chasm that there's a gigantic chasm between them and the rest of the league. And I feel like I'm going a little insane because I don't see it. And like, what's wrong with me that I don't see it and my numbers don't see it. I mean, they're amazingly not even number one in DVOA, although they're close to number one. But I certainly don't see this gigantic chasm between them and the rest of the league, like everyone else feels they're unbeatable. And what really is remarkable to me is not the way the regular press talks about them being unbeatable, but the way other analytics people talk about it, talk about them being inevitable, talk about the giant chasm between them and the rest of the league, that nobody's going to beat them, because that's generally not the way analytics people talk about any team, but especially a team that has a bunch of close wins. Like if you compare the Chiefs to last year's Ravens, Last year's Ravens going into the playoffs were winning games like 45 to 6 or 41 to 7 or 28 to 10. And the Chiefs keep winning these really close games. So I wrote about it this week because I compared them to the 2011 Packers who were a very similar team and were also basically just nothing but pass offense with this historically amazing pass offense with this amazing quarterback. And I think people forget that the way we talked about Aaron Rodgers nine years ago was about the way we talk about Mahomes now.
0: And Wait, you mean this people, has happened
1: before? Yeah, people thought they were inevitable. And then they lost a game in the regular season. And then they rested some guys for a couple of weeks. And then they went into the playoffs and they lost their first game. And that doesn't mean the Chiefs are going to lose their first game. Like, I think the Chiefs are still the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I just think they're not the kind of team that you talk about as being like historically dominant, the way going into the playoffs, the 2007 Patriots were. And
0: Even I'm the- happy you brought up that example, because when you said the words inevitable and chasm before, I thought of the 2007 Patriots, and I think, was there a chasm? Yeah, there was a chasm. They were, they were leaps and bounds ahead of all the other teams. But it might have felt inevitable, but they didn't win the Super Bowl. So you would think that analytics people especially would have an ability to at least separate the nuance between chasm and inevitable and what they entail. Like chiefs against the field. I don't want, I don't want anybody against the field ever in the NFL. Not until we're down to the final four, maybe, but it just seems, it seems a little bit, you know, everybody likes to overreact a little bit and and here we are again.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's tough because like, I still think they're really good and I still think they're the favorite, but they're a little overrated. They're not this dominant monster Like, they're not even the 2019 Ravens. Like, the 2019 Ravens went into the playoffs as this dominant monster that was blowing almost everybody out. Right. And the Chiefs are just not like that. And a lot of the stuff we say about the Chiefs was true of the 2011 Packers. For example, the 2011 Packers did the same thing as the Chiefs where they played close games because of the fact that they let teams come back on them late when it didn't matter anymore. Right. And people said at the time, well, it doesn't matter if the Chargers score two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but they're still losing by seven. Right. You know, the the Packers just kind of stopped trying at that point. And that's the way people talk about the Chiefs, too. That's not the way analytics people have ever talked about teams in the past. In the past, you know, you use Pythagorean projection. Oh, well, this team is way outplaying their Pythagorean projection like last year's Packers. Right. They must not be as good as their record for some reason, we're not talking about the Chiefs like that, even though they're outplaying their Pythagorean projection right now by 3.1 wins. So
0: you made me think of something that we were talking about a few weeks ago, which is statistics versus quality. The statistics are a reflection of what's happened. It's a descriptive thing. It's not, a, it's not as always a predictive thing, even though we tend to look at things kind of with a more predictive lens a lot of the time. But I think it comes back a little bit to statistics not being the same thing as as the quality of something there. It's a measurement that approximates it. But we need to be careful about um, tying those two things up. And actually, after the podcast a few weeks ago, my good friend Greg Merson said to me, it's a little bit similar to the, the way that soccer analysts tend to look at things, which is class versus form right? Your class being what your overall skill level is, your form being how well you're playing at that moment. And stats are probably going to be a little bit more reflective of form rather than the, the class of the team. It, it all it all reminds me of that because I, I think if we try to look at the stats and we try to say, are the Chiefs better this year compared to the league than the Ravens were compared to the league last year? No, they weren't. That, that's The stats are pretty clear about that. But when we look at, okay, over the multi-year, what we know about the Chiefs now, what we know about the Ravens now, I don't want to sleep on the Ravens too much. We'll get there later in the podcast. But, yeah, I think we would say that that the Chiefs have more class, right? We have more belief that what they have at the quarterback position is is going to be a part of that. So I understand the feelings that people have when they say all these
1: things. But, come on, nothing's inevitable. It's football. Yeah, I agree with you. If you look over the multi-year period of the last three seasons, The Chiefs are definitely the best team because none of the other teams that would compete with them to be the best team have been good all three years, the way the Chiefs have been good in all – like if you look over a multi-year period, there there starts to be a little bit of a chasm between them and everybody else. But I don't think that that means that this year's Saints and this This year's year's, Packers are that far behind the Chiefs. Like, for example, this is what people were saying after this week's game – if the saints get a touchdown instead of a safety on that fumbled punt return, right. Then that game, probably the saints are leading 35 31 going into the last two minutes. And we're watching, can Mahomes come back against the saints? And maybe he can, because he's Mahomes, even though the saints have a good defense, but still like, I don't feel like the chiefs ran away with that game. People Talk about they ran away with that game, but they let the Saints back into it. The Saints had a lead at some point in the second half. They let the Saints back into it at the end of the game. Like, that stuff does matter. It's not like when the Chiefs led by 10, the defense stopped trying.
0: Man, some of this stuff you were you
1: quoted, for people that, that haven't seen the
0: article yet, I, I highly suggest that you look at it, but you literally quoted yourself from 2011 saying things about the Packers that year that I could have sworn you were talking about the Chiefs this year. It was eerie. And then you got into even the, the way that they're, they've been similar variance teams. Both of them have been very low variance teams. And that's, that's another way that they're similar to one another. Part of the reason why we do this is not just to be forward-looking, you know, analytics people that are, that are going to predict the future. We, we have interest in watching the games as they play out on Sundays. But just like in history class, you say, why do we learn history? Because those who don't learn from their past are doomed to repeat it. Here we are again. So, um, again, not to say that the Chiefs aren't more likely than anybody else to win the Super Bowl, but they're not more likely than everybody
1: else to win the Super Bowl. It's not necessarily going to happen to them what happened to the 2011 Packers. I mean, they're better coached, I think, than the 2011 Packers. And the 2011 Packers were kind of declining at the end of the season and the Chiefs aren't. But, and I don't know if there's a team that's the equal of the Giants, like has the front four that the Giants had in 2011, right? They right. did to, to, to rush the passer without needing to, you know, blitz. Uh, who's, who's going to be that team that can do that against the Chiefs in the AFC playoffs, right? But, Uh, Anyway, I I, I just feel like we're talking about them, analytics, even analytics people, like forget the the main press, even analytics people are talking about the Chiefs in a way that they would not talk about other teams that had similar resumes. Right.
0: The multi-year versus the single year is an interesting aspect of it because I don't think that the Chiefs have been historically great this year. I do think we might be watching a historically great dynasty play the start out. start of one, certainly. Might yeah. might be the beginning of one. Certainly if they win another Super Bowl this year, that'll help play into that. We'll, we'll have to see how the next few years go before, before we commit to that. But it is a different question. Before we move on to the other games, can I ask you about the thing to me when I looked at the DVOA leaderboard that surprised me the most? I bet you can
1: guess it. Why are the bucks so high? What, what's going on with the Bucks? That's,
0: to me, that's the part that
1: I wish people would focus on. And I've got to admit, I'm having a hard time figuring out what about our system likes him so much more than like EPA-based systems. Uh, I've written about it a couple of times. Yeah, I, to me, that's the head-scratcher. I don't quite understand what they're doing that I my system likes that the EPA systems don't like as much. But I will say that the Bucks have had a lot of – their losses have been close, uh, and they've got that big dominating win. They've got that one huge win against Green Bay and that one huge loss to New Orleans. But yeah, there I don't understand quite why the bucks are so high. And I realize that's strange to say since it's my system. They they come out very high. It's super interesting, and I I love watching that where the eye test doesn't always.
0: It's great to have the eye test match the analytics and being able to feel a little more a bit more comfortable in what you're seeing. But when it doesn't match, I always think there's something interesting there. Sure, the numbers don't know that that Arians has been having friction with Brady. That I think you know any analyst who makes a, a judgment about them would be considering probably more than the computer would. I, I should ask. You don't have a if the model's built on the last twenty years and you have like a has Tom Brady variable, then the
1: model <laughs> perfectly. No, because usually Tom Brady teams play well enough that you don't need a has Tom Brady variable. SISbets.com
0: is back for 2020, and if you didn't make use of it last year, you missed out on easy money. SISbets.com is an advanced prop betting information tool powered by Sports Info Solutions. With it, you can leverage the power of our proven projections models to find value against the odds. You're never more than a few clicks away from knowing whether your favorite wide receiver is likely to score a touchdown this week, or whether a quarterback that you have your eye on is likely to go over or under his completions prop. Just choose the bet type, the player, and the money line to see the SIS bets recommendation. SISbets.com is available for just $9.99 per month, so it easily pays for itself, and that price covers both football and baseball. That means you can also take advantage of our most popular bet type, home run projections, which our users rode to a very solid 12% ROI in 2019. Sign up at SISbets.com. Let's flash forward and get into the most important games of this week. This week's rundown is all about the Super Bowl. What do you have off the top?
1: Yeah, the most important game of the week is the Rams at Seattle. Seattle wins the division with a win. If the Rams win this game, then they win the division 82% of the time. So, uh, it, you know, each team is about twice as likely to make the Super Bowl if they win this game. But more importantly, it's just this, basically the division title is in the balance in this game. Yeah, and the Rams
0: everybody knows are coming off that loss to the Jets. Uh, for me, I think that's mostly a trap game. I don't think that's who the Rams are. But I did want to look into Jared Goff's inconsistency because I think that it, that's the concerning thing when I think you look at the Rams again, not just this year but over multiple years. That that's got to be the question about this team before the rams Seahawks game in November. I'll remind the the audience. Goff had recently been flummoxed by Brian Flores' scheme with Miami, and we had wondered how the Seahawks would play against him because of how much the Hawks like to stay in that cover three, but that had been the coverage that Goff had actually performed best in. So at that time, the Seahawks ended up staying with what they did well. They stayed with the cover three, and the result was not so great. On 16 throws, Goff had 13 completions for 176 yards against that cover three. That's 11 yards per attempt, and it was his strongest game at that point in the season since week two. Flash forward to this part of the season, though. Last week, however, the Jets had a ton of success in their cover three versus Goff. He was 10 for 17 with an interception and two sacks versus three deep. And I looked to kind of do a deeper dive into this strategy, and what I, what I found was that what the Jets did was really very much in the image of what the 49ers have done to beat the Rams twice this year. Goff is 12 for 28 in two games against the 49ers cover three. So I'm looking forward. I'm expecting that the Seahawks stay in that. They stay with the bread and butter cover three like they did last time, but they've got to adjust their adjustments to be more similar to what the Niners and Jets did to bother Goff. What I think they did more than anything else was disguise their pre-snap looks. Right. So I, think, I think that's what the Jets did a really good job of. I think that that's kind of the blueprint that, that Salah has, has laid out there for how you, you can handle this team. So I look at that, and then as always, the Seahawks just avoiding the big bust plays. Um, that seems to always be a, a bugaboo for them on the back end recently. Those two things are what I look at in this game, but I, I do like this, the Seahawks playing at home a little bit better, and hopefully uh, the season's worn on. They've gotten a little bit better on that side of the ball. Uh, I, I think they can find a way to handle golf.
1: The pass rush is certainly better now that they have Carlos Dunlap. I didn't know if the difference might be pass rush because Quinn and Williams had a good game for the Jets. And, of course, the 49ers have a strong pass rush. I didn't know if you were going to say the difference is that Seattle wasn't wasn't rushing the passer well in front of the three deep, and the other teams were. But certainly Seattle can rush the passer better now. There's no doubt that when you look at it, the pass rush has
0: definitely improved there. And the thing that's bothered Goff has been the pass rush. There might be a little bit of a chicken and egg. Is it is it the winning on the defensive line versus is it the confusion that, that makes it take a half step longer for, for golf? I would need to do a, a deeper dive to get a better sense of that.
1: I mean, overall, we still have the Rams ahead of Seattle in DVOA, even though the Rams lost to the Jets. So the Rams are still seventh on offense and fourth on defense. And that defense is really great. I'm stuck with like a personal decision this week, whether I play Tyler Lockett in my fantasy football final, because... The Rams have really cut down on deep passes. There's a number one defense against deep passes. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, 4.9 yards per target. Darius Williams, 6.1. Both are among the top 10 cornerbacks in points saved. So the the Rams' defense is not just Aaron Donald. Like, the cornerbacks have been stellar this year. Absolutely fabulous.
0: Yeah. Darius Williams really coming out of nowhere this year to be, to be kind of one of those, one of those points saved studs this year. I think it definitely helps when you have Ramsey just taking on the amount of responsibility that he does on a week to week basis. Is your expectation that that we see Ramsey follow around DK this week? That would
1: be my guess. I think the first time these two teams played Ramsey was mostly on that cap. That's about as good a matchup as you, as you can find across the league. So I think that's, that's, that's where the Rams, if the Rams are going to win this game, they're going to win it because their defense is going to be better than the Seattle. I mean, as good as the Seattle offense and Russell Wilson are, if the Rams are going to win this game, they're going to win by, by their defense shutting down the Seattle passing game. So you're in your, your fantasy football Super Bowl? Yes, I am. Oh, of the, Ed, the Edge Sports Corporate League. I'm oh, really? In the fantasy football nice. Super Bowl. I am, yes. Interesting. So you got backgammon champions and things like that you gotta compete against. That's fun stuff. Well I'm the football expert, so I should theoretically be able to do this. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. <laughs> a little bit of pressure. I guess uh,
0: you're the favorite. It's Aaron versus the field. That might be more of a fair bet than the Chiefs.
1: Well, I mean Scott Spratt's in the
0: league too. So Oh, that's a pretty good one too. That's a that's that's a that's a tasty league. He's not in the finals with you, is he? Nope, he
1: he lost it. He got upset.
0: Well, I'm sure he won't be upset that that the Panthers are moving on with their GM search because I think that uh, what Matt Rules kind of put the lay down this year, him getting his own guy in there, uh, I think there's a lot of of optimism for Carolina Panthers fans.
1: Panthers better than their
0: record. They are in line to improve next year. No question about it. All right, let's keep it going, and
1: let's talk about the next most important game this week for Super Bowl odds. Sure, Colts at Steelers. Let's talk about those Steelers and how great they've been playing. Colts make the Super Bowl 10.7 if they win, 5.5 if they lose. Pittsburgh 10.2 if they win, 6.6 if they lose. It's more important to Indianapolis because, you know, Indianapolis, the division title is still much more up in the air. Although, given the way Pittsburgh's been playing, Cleveland's opened the door to winning that division title. The Colts are seventh in weighted DVOA and the Steelers are eighth. And I mean, this is where I think my stats just look at things longer term, like even the weighted DVOA still is looking at the whole season, even if it's lowering the strength of the earlier games. And the Steelers were a completely different offense in the first seven or eight games of the season than they have been the last two or three games of the season. It's they've I mean, they look horrible against the Bengals. Right, but we should remember that's a feature and not a bug of DVOA, that it has less recency bias than me and you. Right. he's Big Ben is not going to go out and play like that again this week. It's very unlikely. I will say it's interesting because the Steelers are number one defense in the league against short passes. The Colts are the number three defense in the league against short passes. So, And what do Rivers and Big Ben like to do? Get the ball out quickly short. So yes. this should be a strong defensive Okay. That was one thing that I had actually
0: uh, looked at with these two quarterbacks, kind of despite the differing trajectories of how their seasons have gone lately. It's actually, people wouldn't realize, Rivers actually has a lower average depth of target than Roethlisberger on, on what we call aimed throws. That's throws where there's a targeted receiver. Roethlisberger's um, average throw depth is 6.9, while Rivers is at 6.8. So um, for all the, the you know, check down Charlie talk with, with Roethlisberger and he can't get the ball down the field – You could just as easily levy that criticism at Rivers, except that the Colts offense has just been playing better.
1: Yeah, and especially, again, recency bias. Like, in recent weeks in particular, the Colts offense has been playing better. So, uh, I think that for the season, we have the Colts 12th, and we have Pittsburgh 22nd. But over the last few weeks, it seemed more like 12th and 32nd. (laughs)
0: on the, on the river side of things, you talked about how well he's played recently three games in a row against the the sort of previously resurgent Texans beating them twice. And then the 17 point win in between those games against Las Vegas, he's had at least nine points earned two touchdowns and zero interceptions in three consecutive games. He's quietly crawled up to number seven on the quarterback total points leaderboards. But I I still look at the nine interceptions that he's had on the years. And I think really when this game comes down to it, it, it comes down to the ability to, protect the football and not give Pittsburgh the opportunity to kind of win the game on defense because it's it's hard to see the Pittsburgh offense being able to really muster too much based on just what we've
1: seen and then again against that uh, Indianapolis defense that's so good against the short passes. If anybody's going to neutralize the Steelers pressure the Steelers bring more pressure than anybody this year but if anyone's going to neutralize it it's the Colts because the quality of the offensive line combined with the quick time to throw for Phillip Rivers is just neutralizes pressure. So I don't know how often can T.J. Watt get to him if he's getting the ball out of that quick.
0: Clyde Edwards, has had some moments. DeAndre Swift certainly had some moments. We've seen some rookie running backs do some things this year. Jonathan Taylor's really come on lately. He's up to sixth in total points amongst running backs. He's contributing in the run game and in the pass game. Uh, he's a fun player to watch. And really when you look at the difference between these two teams offensively, the offensive line, I think, is a big part of it. Like you said, <laughs> the, the, the Steelers don't have a Jonathan Taylor.
1: No, they don't. I mean, uh, Connor still isn't coming back from, I guess, the COVID list, or is, is, I don't know if it's a different injury. Snell's okay, but uh, they don't really have much of a running game there, and especially their offensive line. Listen, let's talk about—you know—we can talk about Pro Bowl snubs, but I feel like DeCastro and Pouncey getting this was not the year to put those guys in the Pro Bowl. The, the Steelers are just not getting enough push. On running plays to put their offensive linemen in the Pro Bowl this year. Absolutely,
0: I cu- I couldn't agree with you more. the the top The top Steelers offensive lineman in in points earned is actually Chukwuma Okarafor. So you know that's, I think that's all you need to know right there. We've seen Villano- Villanueva got got really worked in this past game, worse than I've ever seen him get worked. Yeah, not the year to be to be throwing those guys in the Pro Bowl. I'm with you there. Do you mention Pro Bowl snubs? Deport yes, Buckner for the Colts. That one was really terrible for me. He's third amongst defensive tackles with 29 points saved. He should already have the reputation that that, that precedes him. He's helped this defense become – they were already strong. I think they've become even stronger. Only behind Aaron Donald and Quinton Williams in terms of
1: uh, points saved from the defensive tackle position, he was my number one snub. Definitely was big snub. I mean, I, I made a list of a couple of them. Josh Jacobs is near the bottom of the league in rushing DVOA, and I felt like there are a number of running backs that could have gone from the AFC instead of him, but especially James Robinson, the rookie in Jacksonville. Outstanding. uh, Would have been good. Tress Way, the punter from Washington. I would have liked to see Levante David instead of Bobby Wagner, even though Bobby Wagner is an all-time great. And Wyatt Teller would have been good, or like uh, Ben Jones instead of the Pittsburgh guys. Uh, wow. I, I, I didn't even realize Josh Jacobs, three,
0: 3.7 yards per attempt. That is, that is pretty impressive that, that he makes it despite that, I guess what 10 rushing touchdowns and good fantasy football stats, maybe make an outsized impact.
1: Oh, and the other one, speaking of our next game, Evan Ingram making it instead of big Bob Tanya. Very sad. I don't, I didn't understand Evan Ingram making it. I thought there were a lot of people
0: that you could have put ahead of, ahead of Evan Ingram and uh, with your soft spot for big Bob I feel for you there.
1: It is Big Bob week because Tennessee is the worst defense in the league against tight ends by DVOA. So let's talk about Tennessee at Green Bay. Tennessee makes the Super Bowl 8% with a win, 5% with a loss. Green Bay, 37% with a win, 31% with a loss. The number two and three offenses in the league. Although the Green Bay defense is a lot better against the pass, they're 18th while the Tennessee Titans defense is 30th the Titans are a little bit better against the run. So I'm old enough to remember in, in early 2019
0: when LaFleur had moved from the Titans to the Packers and Arthur Smith had taken over as the offensive coordinator of the Marcus Mariota led Titans and Matt LaFleur and Arthur Smith were getting killed all over the place for what they were doing offensively in each of those places. Wow, how things have come a long way since then. I think you, all the things you heard about LaFleur and Rodgers disagreeing with each other, now it appears to be just a match made in heaven with the concepts that make the offense easier from, from the LaFleur, uh, McVay, Shanahan system. All of those concepts being embraced by Aaron Rodgers now, and we're seeing what he does. Uh, you know, Everybody thought his career was over last year, and now all of a sudden uh, he's the MVP ahead of Mahomes in a lot of people's eyes. And then Arthur Smith, absolutely revitalizing Ryan Tannehill's career. I feel like we should mention Brian Dable just while we're having the conversation about these two guys, because he's done such an outstanding job in Buffalo too. But these guys, in terms of what they've done with both these teams offensively, I couldn't be more complimentary to each of them. I think Arthur Smith is a head coach candidate, and
1: this should be a really fun offensive game. Yeah, this is going to be a shootout. There's no question about it. For Sunday night, this is going to be really great. I mean, like I said, Green Bay does have the stronger defense, and they have a stronger defense on first down where they're 13th in DDOA compared to 25th on second and third. So, I mean, watch for them to maybe stop Tennessee at first, and then Tennessee will convert anyway because these two teams have fabulous offenses and not great defenses. That's interesting. If teams were to run against you a disproportionate amount of, de- of time
0: on first down, would that uh, make your your defense on first down look better in terms of... Yeah, because
1: de- because of the fact that runs are, are less efficient than pass. It would make your defense on first down look better.
0: That's interesting. I wonder if that might be part of what's going on there. You mentioned last week Derek Henry in the in the MVP race, and I just wanted to, to share what what Total Points had to say about the issue. Derrick Henry leads running backs by a mile in total points. He's got 51 total points this year. Nobody's anywhere near him. He's about 90 points away from Aaron Rodgers, who has 140, and Mahomes <laughs> leads the league with 167. Total points, thinks running backs matter, but not as much as Patrick Mahomes and
1: Aaron Rodgers. No, not as much as quarterbacks. It's really a quarterback. I, 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 You've quarterback for MVP, and then I think you use Offensive Player of the Year as the uh, – the non- as the non-quarterback award, yeah.
0: I like that, too. So as much as we talked about defense in this game, I want to just uh, highlight two players. Each team has a great corner. Jair Alexander for the Packers has been outstanding this year. Malcolm Butler for the Titans gets targeted.
1: That bench. surprised me when I saw that on your data hub leaderboard, that Malcolm Butler has comes out so well in points saved this year. And one thing that happens there with corners, and man, we've talked
0: about how all different sorts of corner stats can be very uh, up and down from year to year. But one thing that's going on there is he's been targeted a lot. So you look at that in one way as as a negative, but when the results are less than 50% completions and he's getting his hand on the ball a whole bunch of the time, that's that's how you work your way up the total points leaderboard. So uh, I thought that was an interesting one too. and got to give him his due though I, I think in general
1: when we look at that from year to year it seems to be a pretty good measure if, if you're targeted a lot but you're good then it's good that you're being targeted a lot bring it you on, bring on targeted the a lot.
0: yeah <laughs>
1: we'll see how much he gets targeted next year
0: that'll, better that'll be- you
1: than a bad corner you know better they target you than they you know the whoever the bad corner is on the other side for tennessee i don't even know
0: all right let's keep it going and uh for all the super bowl odds We got one big game for playoff odds this week. What do you have there?
1: Yeah, by far the biggest game for making the playoffs is the Giants at the Ravens. Giants are in 42% of the time with a win, 6% with a loss. So they basically need to win this game. Baltimore, 87% of the time with a win, 58% with a loss. These are defenses moving in opposite directions. Baltimore is 8th in defensive DVOA for the season, but 12th in weighted while the Giants are 19th for the season, but 16th in weighted. And both de- both of these defenses are better against the run than the pass, but both of these teams like to run the ball. And the Giants' running game has gotten much better over the course of the season. I think we've talked about that in past weeks. So, And, of course, the Ravens love to run the ball, especially with the option game with Jackson doing quarterback work.
0: Yeah, I look at this one and, and, and despite the Giants playing a bit better, um, I think we've seen that, that ultimately they're a little bit fraudulent. Uh, I think even amongst those NFC East teams, they, they won a few games this year. I'll give them credit for that. But I think at the end of this one, they'll have a 6% uh, odds of making the playoffs because I do think Baltimore is coming on. I think Baltimore is one of those teams that it's been easy to forget about how good we thought they were coming into the season. They had COVID issues, which made them kind of a shell of themselves for about a month there where we didn't really know what we were looking at. I think that's part of what you were talking about with how their defense has gone in the wrong direction from the beginning of the year. But, man, they're so good in a couple of key places. And if Lamar Jackson can get uh, going back with the stuff that Lamar Jackson does well, they're a team that if I'm the Chiefs, I wouldn't want to play Um, when it comes down to it in the playoffs. I think they're one of the teams that has a little bit of a formula that could give the Chiefs problems.
1: Yeah, I mean, the team that I – someone asked me, who do you you think the Chiefs don't want to play? And I said Tennessee because they don't want Derrick Henry to run all over them. But Baltimore is another team that, you know – they can run for good yardage and they can beat the Kansas City run defense before Kansas City can get a big lead. But against the Giants, there may be, it may be, uh, they should pass a little bit more than usual and finally get their passing game, uh, a little bit on track. Uh, the Giants have trouble with cornerback depth. Uh, James Bradbury, I don't know if he's going to be able to play. Uh, Isaac y- Yidam is allowing 8.8 yards per target. So, this, this would be a good game for the Ravens to get their passing game more on track. I think. I'm with you there. I think the offensive
0: line has rebounded. Orlando Brown's found a home on the left side. He and Bradley Bozeman are tied for second among offensive linemen in points earned this year. So uh, despite the injuries, they've had some guys kind of come on and figure it out. We still need to see some more consistency from Hollywood Brown. I think that's going to be an element of it from the pa- passing perspective. That's going to be they need to find a way to spread the field and use it, make make the defense guard every inch of, of grass. But uh, if they can do that, uh, I, I do think this is a scary team looking forward. And I'd really like to see them handle the Giants and make quick work of them. Otherwise, I will have a very very different perspective when we speak a week from now.
1: One other thing I would say, if the Giants do score, watch out for when they kick off because the Giants have had very poor kick coverage and the Ravens have really good kick returns.
0: Interesting. John Harborough, you know, he's always going to be looking for those matchups. So that's a good one to keep an eye on. All right. And on that note, we will sign off. Thank you to all of the listeners and a special shout out to Tommy Boy Vegas MCX one 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 zero and pigskin dot lover who all recently left five star reviews on Apple podcasts. Thank you for helping more people find the podcast. We definitely appreciate it. You can find Aaron and myself on Twitter. He's at F O underscore a shots S C H A T Z. I'm at Matt Mano M A T T M A N O. We're also on Instagram and YouTube. You can search for sports info solutions and Check out footballoutsiders.com for tons of great content. We already talked about the DVOA column. What else can people find
1: there, Aaron? Scramble for the balls, all-rookie team. Find out which rookies we really like this year and why it's so hard always to find a rookie tight end. On the Sports
0: Info Solutions side, you can always find the number one quarterback in the world rankings updated at blog.com. You can also check out the free SIS Data Hub by visiting sisdatahub.com. And get a free trial of the Data Hub Pro at pro.sysdatahub.com. For my co-host Aaron Schatz and our producer Justin Stein, I'm Matt Manicharian and thank you for joining us for the latest episode of the Off the Charts Football Podcast. Happy Holidays!